Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another great podcast today. My name's Scott Durfee, joined, as always, by Dave, my uncle. Hey, hi, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Listen, gang, we have uh, just an amazing experience in store for us again today. We've had a couple of great interviews over the last little while. This one is sure to be uh, right in line with those as well. We have Doug and Emily Page with us today, uh, great friends of Dave's for a very long time. And, uh, yeah, I got, neighbors. I got to know uh, these two on a uh, church history tip, trip that was led by uh, David Durfee as well. Uh, that just, was fun. That was an amazing trip just a couple of summers ago. And uh, Deb and I was there, were there and uh, got to meet Doug and Emily uh, among, among others that have become lifelong, eternal, hopefully, yeah. friends with us as well. But... Doug and Emily have quite this story that um, I think that uh, can be relatable to maybe everybody on some level, at least, and uh, to uh, many, many others on a very, very deep level. And so with that, I think uh, it's uh, probably best if we just dive right into it. To do that today, though, we're going to have Dave uh, facilitate a lot of the uh, questioning and conversations. Questioning is probably not the right word. That sounds quite legal, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to have Dave take us through the conversation where we get to at least have uh, the spirit bear witness to us, the power that can be had through the atonement of Jesus Christ in sometimes some of our darkest uh, tragedies. So with that, Dave, let's, uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and take it. Uh, let's get uh, Emily yeah, thanks, and Doug Scott. introduced a little bit, and then we'll go from there. Scott, we've been uh, talking the last few weeks about the effects of the fall, and I think we, we made the point, tried to make the point, that uh, there are two major negatives of the fall physical death and spiritual death physical of death of course is the separation of the body from the spirit and spiritual death is a separation from righteousness or um, separation from god and uh, the result of sinning well today we have a an opportunity to have a two really dear, close friends who I really love and cherish. And um, they are here to share their story with us about the effects of the fall and the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ, which they have experienced uh, in the loss of their their son. And uh, I'm really thankful that uh, Doug and Emily could be with us and... Uh, Hope that our listeners will will be able to feel the spirit. I know they will, as they listen to this couple share not only the the sicknesses and the sufferings that they've been through, but how they know that Christ has covered them in their pains, in their sicknesses and sorrows. So uh, grateful that they're with us today. Okay, say hi, Doug. Hi, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> and Emily? Hi, thank you for having us. We're grateful to be here. Oh, sweet to have yes, you. Yes, we are. It's uh, going to be a sweet experience, we think. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. So I've I've loved Doug and Emily for uh, almost as long as I moved back here from Minnesota and uh, knew them shortly after we moved and watched them uh, have their first child i mean he was born where you live right now right yeah true yeah and uh and uh from a baby and watched him grow and develop and sweet cutest personality and was loved by everybody so much in the ward and and uh let's see you first found out that wyatt had cancer when he was how old he was 10. 10 years old. And uh, so let's just uh, jump into this, uh, Doug and Emily, and, and talk about how how it all started and how you uh, found out and then um, just kind of take us through that. Okay, Emily? Perfect. Well, I think we'd kind of start by just talking about Wyatt in general. So he was a typical just kid, loved growing up. He... He was very easy to raise. He was a pretty pretty easy kid kid in general. Um, 
and just loved spending time outside, you know, loved the water. Growing up when he was young, we used to get a group of friends that would go and we'd walk in the morning in the neighborhood and we'd invite friends over and do like slip and slides and like a pool party in our backyard and we'd take the kids to the park or go up to the splash pad in Highland and get some lunch after and just have like picnics and everything. And our most recent memories are the the ones that we hold dear, but he just, he grew into, he loved the Utah jazz and knew all the players and would love to go to the games. And he loved BYU with the football team. And um, he loved anything Star Wars. He loved the Star Wars movies. We got him hooked and spending time outside. He loved to ride his bikes, hang out with friends, uh, he would ride the bus to school. His, his favorite subjects in school were math and science and art. Did he have brothers and sisters? Uh, he was actually our only child. Yeah. 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 Well, I remember him in sacrament meeting. You know, I remember, I have this picture galvanized in my mind of him in sacrament meeting, sitting between the two of you, his head on one of your shoulders. Uh, this, I mean, he was, you could just tell that this loving this loving child who was so loved and and endeared by his parents and i just you know i'll never forget that picture of of seeing the three of you together in kind of uh three peas in a pod right <laughs> and that that's a sweet picture that i'll always cherish well, and just to maybe add a little perspective too, we're so we're here in our uh, opulent studio in the basement of my home, <laughs> and uh, you know Doug is wearing a BYU shirt that says "We love Wyatt." Where the Y for BYU <laughs> in Wyatt yeah. is a big, and and Emily's wearing a BYU shirt. That's uh, pretty. Uh, at any time that I have had the opportunity to be around these two, it seems like there's always something, and I love this, there's always something. There's a constant 24-hour-a-day honoring of this young man. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which we try to fit in all the time. But, but yeah, no, he's... So Wyatt, is, Wyatt, he was just a happy-go-lucky kid, and just he would light up a room whenever yep, for sure. he was there. And he was a fun-loving kid. I mean, he just he loved to, you know, be outside and... He loved swimming. He loved he loved playing sports, yeah. any sport, yeah. golfing, mini golfing, bowling. Yeah, I watched him swing the golf club. The the swing that he had golfing was just yeah. amazing as, as a kid of his age. Yeah, he he took his deacon responsibilities very seriously. Yes, he want he didn't want to miss church. He wanted to. Yes. He was there every Sunday. And and timing wise, he was one of the the first wave of eleven year olds. Right. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. To, to receive the priesthood right. when that when that what change a blessing happened. that was yeah. right yeah as it turned out yep and 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 he was born that way right you guys I mean I mean really he was just always born that way he was a good kid from the get go yeah and, and just powerful you know, powerful just, spirit yeah just happy happy uh not a much, delight yeah not much would get him down at all yeah always always seemed to be of joy and yep. fun yes. loving. Yep. After he was diagnosed, right? And you, you yeah. need to tell us about that. But but this seems to be a place to interject. This is that when he lost all of his hair, mm-hmm. it was an amazing tribute that all of the deacons shaved their heads. Yeah. Yep. One of the um, <laughs> right. Yeah. It was well, and, and including some of us older folks <laughs> yeah, yeah um he he That's... went through several surgeries uh where they would just shave where they were gonna do the incision and one of his last surgeries um where he they had to undergo some major major work on his scalp um they had to shave his head mm-hmm. and that was the first time that that they had had to have done that okay he had lost hair through radiation and things like that but this right. is the first time he had to completely have a, a bald head and we just put it out there you know jokingly saying hey if anybody wants to join in <laughs> in uh you know giving Wyatt a little support we're gonna have a we're gonna shave mm-hmm. our heads and so he he cut my hair we started with the grandpa <laughs> cut so we went right here just above the ears all the way around <laughs> and uh, we got some good pictures there so I know what I look like in another twenty years, mm-hmm. and uh, and then 
shaved the rest of of my head. He did, and uh, and deacons, teachers, priests, yeah, uh, remember, leaders. I remember that Sunday, everybody was yep. bald. Yeah, and and with the youth activity that night, and so some of the young women were shaving shaving the heads of the young men so it was it was, it was, it was quite the experience yeah he was really loved we were all cold for quite a few weeks until started growing <laughs> stuff growing back so well this probably be a good time to then start talking about what happened yeah when did he start getting sick so uh he uh was in the school play at the time and so they were uh practicing getting ready for the play well, actually, so he had he had auditions and found out in December that he made the school play in fifth grade. So he was ten mm-hmm. at the time. Ten, okay. He was he was ten. So this was uh, they they were going to start having practices at the beginning of the year after the school break and everything. And so starting January, February ish and everything, um, they were going to start doing practices and everything. And he started getting headaches, and we're like, oh well. Maybe maybe this is in March, so this had been uh, you know first first week or so of March. Started getting headaches. We thought, well, maybe it's allergies. Uh, things had popped a little early that spring, and maybe you know we, we thought didn't think a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. But those had been going on for about six weeks. And then I think we also found out he was ha- he was having a hard time seeing the board at school and. Was, went and had his eyes checked. We had checked in fourth grade. He had, he had vision was great. And then when fifth grade came around and he was having, he, once he mentioned he was having a hard time seeing the board, we're like, okay, let's go check your eyes. And it turns out mm-hmm. he needed glasses and got his glasses. He had them on for about two days. And he's like, and then he came to us. Yeah. The headaches mm-hmm. had gone away. And then he came to us. So I think that was on a Monday on a Wednesday. And he'd come to us and says, I'm seeing things double. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, what do you mean double? And he says, you know, side to side, up and down. And he says, well, I just see things double. And so we made an appointment with our family physician, which would have been Friday. So Wednesday, we had a couple of days to wait, went in and we started blood work, you know, doing some tests, see what's going on. And then we said, and then the doctor says, well, we'll, we'll schedule next week to do a, a CT scan just to see what's going on. We're like, okay. So we did that on Friday. And he wasn't acting himself that week. He mm-hmm. he's usually up and going and, and bounding around and and the his energy was gone. And so that was Friday. Saturday he came to us and said mid afternoon, he says, Things are getting worse as far as the vision. Things are getting worse. And so we texted our our doctor which is a family friend and said this is what's going on he says you need to get him up to primary take him up uh they'll have answers for us in a couple hours of what's going on instead of waiting clear into next week that'd be primary children's hospital in salt lake City. and so we uh we says okay so we started started the drive emily's mom and dad were flying back at that particular time from a family trip with Emily's sister and her family in Palm Springs. So they were, they were on, a, on, on their way back. And we texted them and just told them what was going on. I said, we're taking Wyatt to the ER. We're not sure what's going on. If you want to come and meet us, you're happy to, you know, we're happy to come and meet us. So we got there and uh, with the symptoms he was having, you know, this is where dad steps in and you start Google searching symptoms and, mm-hmm. you know, you freak yourself out. But I, I kind of had an inkling. I knew what was going on. When we got to the hospital and got him checked in, and Emily's mom and dad met us, and and they'd gone back and done a CT scan, quick two-minute CT scan on him. This was about ten o'clock, and we're like, oh well, they'll they'll we'll be we'll be back in you know twenty minutes or whatever. I'm talking about, and two hours go by, and mm-hmm. they still haven't come back in the room. Mm-hmm. And so Emily stepped out in the hall and, you know, just say, hey, you know, what's kind of going on and ran into the attending ER physician. And he says, well, we're going to be right in. And at this point, Wyatt's asleep on the on the gurney in the in this small little emergency room room. Mm-hmm. And and the physician comes in and, and pulls up the CT scan. It's very grainy, but it clearly shows that there's a mass in Wyatt's head. 
in that two hours that we were sitting there waiting, they had already contacted neurotrauma and, and set up a neuro team uh, for surgery the next day. Mm. They had set up a two-hour MRI of his full head and spine to see what we were facing. At, the, at that point, when Wyatt was sent back, Emily, we, we had reached out to our families and let them know, hey, look, something's, something's happening. We're not quite sure what, but, uh, you know, it's the size of a tennis ball in a 10-year-old's head. Mm. And uh, Emily had got in the car to go home and grab some stuff that we would need that next day. So this was, we were now into the early morning hours of Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think with part of that is like once once we found out there was a mass and why it was asleep, that was the hardest thing is we had to wake him up. And because he was like, he was ready to go home. And we're like, sorry, you have to say stay. And of course, he broke down because he didn't want to stay in the hospital. And mm. we had to, we then had we had all of two minutes once the doctor came in and told us he had a mass of what was going on. We had to wake him up and had two minutes to explain to him what was going on. And he broke down, of course. And then somebody was right there to start an IV and take him off to the MRI and you know we didn't have all that time I have a lot of time and of course the doctor at the time was like well you guys are handling this well I'm like we don't have time to sit here and like yeah do anything else but yeah so we why put on a brave face and once we told him he had his moment of breaking down for a little bit then he's like okay you know and mm. that was it so you you go home Emily and when she goes home what do you do Doug so I'm exhausted and I ask one of the nurses if there's a spot I can go to go try and get a little bit of sleep because I know it's going to be about two hours. This is one or two in the morning. It's going to be three or four before Wyatt's back. If I could just get an hour, hour and a half sleep, it'd be great. She takes me back to a, a pod there in, in primary children's that's not being used, so it's dark and there's no one around. And And I go into this little room and begin to plead with our Father in Heaven for Wyatt's life, for Wyatt's life. At that moment when you're in such a dark place, you have a choice to either get completely uncontrollably mad at the world, at God, at everything. Or you have a choice to try and let it go. And I knew I couldn't get mad. Because it would just be a never-ending pit of misery for me. And I said, you know, I need to, I need to, let, I need to let the bishop know. I need to let my priesthood leader know what's going on. And I texted uh, our bishop at the time and let him know what we were facing and that we didn't really have a lot of information, but we did knew, did know something was uh, amiss and uh, that uh, we would let him know when we knew more information. And at that very moment, I felt peace. Mm. I says, I've, I've got, I've done what I can do. I need help from my priesthood leaders. I need help from my Father in Heaven. I need help. And starting that process with, with our bishop was the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. And our bishop was kind enough once he found out, because it was early in the morning, that Sunday I think he actually made an announcement over the pulpit and just said, hey, one of our youth you know, was in the mm-hmm. hospital and made an announcement over the pulpit and just said if you could fast or pray for him because he'll yeah, be going through surgery. Yeah. And he was kind enough to let people know. And luckily with our journey, we decided to share it publicly you know because it was easier than trying to text or text every single person so we did do ours publicly but with mine as I was driving home though I just you know of course once it sinks in you know I had a good cry on the way home you know because you're like oh great this is my son how could this be happening you know you have questions but then you know you have your good meltdown and then after that you're just like okay we got this (laughs) we then you go from there and Mm. just hope 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 and pray for the best and well, I think this is a this is so interesting, and and our little talk before we started, Doug, this this point, you come to this point in your in your experience where you have to make a choice. 
Yeah. And you knew yep. that. You you were thinking this consciously. I, I'm at a crossroads and I have to make a choice. And I can either go this way and be angry and mad, which will take me in a in a in a fast lane to wherever. Mm-hmm. Or I have to go this way and I want to involve the priesthood and the church in this process. Yep. Yep. And that made all the difference. It made all the difference. I needed comfort. And the the only way to get comfort was not getting angry. That's not how we get comfort in our lives. How we get comfort is to to ask for our Heavenly Father's help. Hmm. And then after that, what happened? So Wyatt had undergone his two-hour MRI and had come back to to the ER, and they took us up to uh, neurotrauma, which is its own little wing on second, third floor, and and had started him on uh, uh, a steroid to help with inflammation because his, his tumor at that point was pushing on his optic nerve. It's kind of, you figure it's in the back upper left part of your head, and it was right below the scalp, the skull, and it was growing towards the middle of his brain. And uh, so we were we were up there and, and started him on, on medications to try and help, and, um, and then we went to sleep. And uh, early that next morning, the uh, neurosurgeon came in, and he... He pulled up the uh, high-resolution MRI at that point, um, and we showed Wyatt. And um, you know, they they had scheduled surgery um, for that that next day, which would now be Monday. Uh, you know, nine ten in the morning for mm-hmm. for them to go in and remove uh, this tennis ball-sized tumor that that's now in Wyatt's head. That was an interesting experience as well, waiting down in um, the ER uh, waiting room or the, the operating waiting room, you know, for him to come back. But in, in the interim between, you know, early Sunday morning, dozens and dozens of people text and offer mm-hmm. support from mm-hmm. the ward and family and, and people wanting to come visit and, uh, um, you know, offer their condolences their help their you know you, you get in that moment and you just don't know what to do right mm-hmm. other than just offer your help friendship support and luckily our, our bishop and his wife actually came to visit and actually um mm-hmm. check in on Wyatt and everything and the primary had made notes and stuff but what was nice is that they came and they offered to give both of us that he offered to give us both a priesthood blessing which i think that helped bring a lot of peace and comfort as well mm-hmm. mm. While we're while we're waiting, so I think that's that helped from the get go. It was just him coming and offering. Yeah, because at that point, even though you you feel a, a little bit of peace, you you don't feel as anxious about the situation. There's still fear. There's still sure. unknowns of what's going to take place. Sure. And they thought the the surgery was successful to whatever degree they could yes. think that. Yes. And they thought they got it all. It they went they well. Got it all. You and, were optimistic. Yep. We we continued to hold on to hope at that point, you mm-hmm. know. Um, the location of his uh, tumor, um, they didn't feel would be uh, detrimental to to him, to his physical abilities, to his faculties. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it turned out to be. To look at him after that surgery, after removing that, large of a tumor to look at him you wouldn't know anything had even yeah. happened so so we we went through that and we said well we had meetings set with uh huntsman cancer to start a treatment plan which for his type of cancer which at the end of the day was called super tentorial anaplastic ependymoma was mostly uh really the only treatments were radiation surgery and radiation Chemo at that time was not proven effective for his type of cancer, um, and and we did a, a follow up MRI. Six, yeah, we, six weeks. 
we requested a follow-up MRI just to make sure. I think we just, for sure. peace of mind, we, yeah. we just requested a follow-up mm-hmm. MRI, and it turns out... He had a new spot, and part of the old tumor area had also started to grow. So we underwent that second surgery, and Wyatt um, was able to finish the play. Um, and the very next morning, we were on a plane to Seattle. Um, this was in May. Um, May of 2018. 2018. We were on our way to Seattle um, for 33 rounds of radiation. And we ended up spending 55, 50. 56 days in Seattle. Hmm. For uh, how many treatments? For 33 rounds of radiation. 33 rounds. And, and after that, you felt optimistic. We were very optimistic, and, uh, and everything looked good. We got back home. Um, scans were clear. Um, mm. Till March of 2019. And now he's 11? And now he is uh, 11. And he's a deacon? and Yep. Just got the priesthood. So he got the priesthood in January. Right. And yeah. we were able to go to the temple with him for the first time mm. and do baptisms. Yeah, and uh, and then he wasn't feeling good in March. It was almost exactly one year to the day. He ended up having like the flu. He had a fever, chills, and everything. So we took him to our family doctor, and while he was at the doctor's office, he ended up having a seizure. And it was wow. weird. I mean, he was just laying on the table, staring off, just pointing at things. I'm like, what is going on? Drooling. Wow. It was it was just weird. And so I got him sat up, stood up, sat him on a chair, grabbed a nurse and said, hey, can I get your help? And she kind of looked at him and immediately called the doctor. And he'd been on the phone waiting for somebody and immediately came in. And so his hand shook a little bit, but it wasn't your typical seizure. Um, so he had a seizure. They took off his sweatshirt got him cooled off got him some tylenol um and so he started asking questions of like you know do you know where you're at do you know who the president was and of course it was trump at the time and white knew that knew that and then the doctor asked asked and pointed to me he's like do you know who this is he's like my wife you know he he didn't know who i was he knew i was somehow somehow related related to him him, but yeah he he wasn't sure who i was well but that 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 uh, that absence seizure, as we come to find out what it was, that sent us over to the hospital again for another CT scan. And that ultimately, the following week, led us to find out that he had reoccurred. Mm. So this time it was about the size of a quarter, kind of all in the same area. Mm. And um, this was just before spring break. Um and we had already scheduled a family trip to Seattle, back to Seattle. We asked Wyatt where he wants to go, and he wanted to go back to mm-hmm. visit his friends in Seattle that we had made to ward members up there. Mm-hmm. So we underwent um, a third five-hour surgery just after spring break. With that reoccurrence, his prognosis um, you know, was a 50-50 shot at that point, that he would be with us in five years. And... And with that trip, he we had come back early because my uncle had passed away. And, you know, with, a, with an 11-year-old, he's, you know, he would ask questions. Like, I think once he reoccurred in another surgery, he, he got concerned and was like, well, am I going to die from this? And like, the possibly that's there, but we're going to do everything we can. So you don't, you know, you don't yeah. at this point. But when we came back for my uncle's funeral and everything, he started asking questions of like, well, you know, once you die, do you think we can come back the person you know he's like he's like do you think you can see your funeral and i'm like well are you thinking of uncle scott i said i'm sure you could see what's going on and see who's there and everything and i said are you thinking of uncle scott he's like no i'm thinking of my own Mm. so he was already thinking of his funeral at this point and which which we weren't trying to think that but Mm. i think he had already had inklings i think he'd already probably had Visits, maybe. Spirit preparing him. Preparing him. And this this was April of 2019. Everything, we still were hopeful. That, I mean, even 50-50 is still, you know, it's still a possibility that he could beat the odds. And Yeah. And then you end up at St. Jude's. So we were able to be accepted into a trial program there where they re-irradiated using the same type of radiation. And they had one of those uh, proton machines there. So... Um, in, Wyatt, Me- in Memphis. In Memphis, Tennessee. So yep. Wyatt and Emily traveled out there for six weeks. 
Um, I was able to to join them for the last week. We got home from from that in third of July of 2019. And he he really struggled with being at St. Jude's. He kept on telling me he he didn't want to be there, you know. And I would tell him, well, we don't have to be here. We could leave any time. But and he would have some pretty good meltdowns and stuff just because he kept mm-hmm. on saying, I don't want to be here. And mm-hmm. come to find out later, it was just he didn't want to be in the cancer boat again. You know, he, yeah, sure. once we figured out what was going on or what he meant, we're like, uh, yeah, we get that. And he, he was struggling really hard. The mm. once we went to St. Jude's yeah. because I would call him Doug a few times and just be like, look, I need you to talk to him because he, he was having a hard time and I couldn't get him to calm down sometimes. So, so we got home and, uh, six weeks after we got home, um, Long story short, we found out that it had reoccurred again, and this time it had metastasized. It had moved. And in normal situations with his type cancer, it doesn't move. It stays in the same spot. Mm. But come to find out, it had the, the cancer had followed one of the drains that he had during surgery. Mm. Um, and when we pulled the drain, it followed the drain out mm. and was now outside of his skull and, and caused... Um, you know, tumors on the outside now. Mm. And we're like, okay, we can take care of that. We did another surgery um, to remove uh, a spot that was outside at that point that had gone from the size of a pea to the size of a golf ball in a matter mm. of a couple weeks. I remember. Wyatt's going through some really tough t- stuff for a, for a young kid. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't even imagine the 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 feelings he must be having i can't imagine what he would think about at night as he tried to go to sleep i can't imagine what he would think about when he consider his friends or his future or any of those things but what about mom and dad we're dying inside yeah i think with that the the hardest part is you know because we are his parents we're supposed to be able to fix anything right right and i think you know me naturally i try to stay on the positive side of things but at the same time it rips your heart apart because you're like I should be able to fix this, you know, or mm. you want a certain outcome of like, oh yeah, you could be the odds of this. And you know, we that were there to love and support him. And of course he'd have yeah. c- c- questions and concerns and he, he didn't want to be known for his cancer and he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's our only child. Yeah. What were he's, some of your fears? He's the last of the page name. Yeah. Mm. Um, and as, as a mm. dad, you know, you, you, as, as parents, we want the next generation to have a little better than we did. And so that was our life. That was what we were focused on. Mm. Um, getting him a good education, um, getting things set up where he could serve a mission financially, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, college, whatever. Trying to help uh, the next generation have it a little bit better than us. You were planning a life. We were planning a life. And, and that was all kind of put on hold. As parents, it's that that was the hardest part is just not being able to fix it and 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 the unknown and you know preparing for the what ifs that's the hard part yeah so uh, it was about well the, he he passed away on January 14th uh 2020 mm-hmm. and um that last holiday you had with him uh, about those unknowns and what ifs and the it was inevitable right i mean yeah. it was we we found out in october that it was terminal yeah um when we were trying to do a, another biopsy to see exactly what was going on inside and and it came back that it was terminal and that was that was very difficult telling him Look, we're here to fight with you until we can't fight anymore. And right now, the fight's over for that. But the fight is now on. We need to change the focus of the fight. And the Mm. focus now needs to be memories Mm. and time together. And um, once we once we did that, I mean, he would he would take long. long hot showers and he would sit and think Mm. and one time i remember um i think he came to emily and he asked how do i get the melchizedek priesthood 
when I, when I pass on mm. and just floored us, right? There isn't a single Sunday school or priesthood lesson out there that <laughs> talks about that age group getting Melchizedek priesthood in this particular situation. So he's, he's obviously thinking way older than what he is. Right. And he's being prepared for what's about to happen to him. Yeah. Um, and so we had those discussions. Mm-hmm. We started to have those, um, you know, when he passes a, a year later, we'd be able to do his temple work and I'd be able to go through the temple and, and do his ordinances that he needs on the other side. And as that turned out, we were able to, to do those a month later after mm-hmm. he passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and invited many, many of the ward members to come and, and uh, mm-hmm. be part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and other questions that he had, um, like how old am I going to be on the other side? What am I going to be doing? How long before you and mom are there? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so we got out the topical guide and, and we went through what, um, you know, what, what the spirit world's like, what goes on there, what he will probably be doing there. Um, those types of conversations that we as adults don't even like having together, let alone discussing it with your 12-year-old son. Yeah. Um, so way, way advanced for his, his age. Life-changing, right? Life-changing. And it was interesting because it was October that we found out it was terminal and he had a huge, we found out he had a huge tumor at the base of his brain and they're like, that's when, when we found out in October, they gave us one month. And they're like, if you do nothing, you have one month with him. And of course, Wyatt's biggest concern at the time was seeing the last Star Wars movie, which came out in December. And he's like, but what about the Star Wars movie? I'm like, and we ahead of time over the summer had had already booked a theater for 95 people to come watch that with us, like December 23rd, something like that. So that was his big, that was his biggest concern. So we did go back to Huntsman. They... Gave us a couple options. Do nothing, and you'll have about a month. You could do a condensed version to get two or three, two two to four months, or you could do another full six weeks. And of course, Wyatt chose the condensed, which would buy, buy two to four months. But I think in his mind, he was getting four to six months. Mm-hmm. But and throughout this journey, we found because of the kindness and generosity of others, we were able to do have opportunities to do things that we wouldn't have otherwise. We've met people we wouldn't have met otherwise. And the crazy thing we say this is like, we wouldn't trade it again for anything. If we had to do it again, we would do it again in a heartbeat. He got to do stuff with BYU. They got, they did a deep blue hero segment on him and, um, got a Donovan Mitchell shoe autographed and, and, uh, got involved with the BYU football team and all of that, which is all, which is all, uh, I don't know how you would describe that, I guess, uh, kind of a a sweet thing for him and to get his mind off of things and and for us at built memories and for you at built memories yeah and he passed away on january 14th two years ago yep. yeah it'll be well this coming up this saturday will be three 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 years three years, three years ago this saturday yep so ultimately through Wyatt's experience he underwent five surgeries 96 rounds of radiation um, which from a perspective of background radiation, if me and you go get x-rays on our teeth every six months or whatever, and, and just live life, um, the amount of radiation that he was exposed to was about 73,000 years worth, but never wanted to be defined by it. Right. Um, he wouldn't talk a lot about it. We only know of two times that he broke down in mm. anguish over the situation, and we were not present for um, one of them that happened at school. Mm. Um, the other one was during uh, the filming of the Deep Blue segment for BYU TV. Mm. Um, but just even up until the last day, he was thinking of others. He was thinking of um, things that would bring him comfort. Mm-hmm. And things to to bring other kids going through the same thing, and, comfort, 
Emily and Wyatt, uh, you know, Wyatt decided he wanted, we wanted to give back to other kids. And so it started out doing five bundles for boys and five bundles for girls. And in these bundles was a blanket, um, pillowcase, um, comfy socks, fuzzy socks, or a beanie. Um, later on, he added toys to that same bundle so the kids would be comfortable and have something to do. Yeah, his, big, his big push was the beanie. And he, he would tie blankets and actually sew the pillowcases. And we had a friend of ours that actually wanted to put these bundles together for the amount of radiation treatments he had done. And at the time, it was 73. So she collected the supplies and money and donations and was going to give that to me to have something to do once he passed away. But... She had so much help and donations that she was able to collect supplies for everything beforehand. That's kind of where the mm. the idea came from as snowballed, but um, because in true white fashion, he was he was concerned because he knew he was our only child, and he would ask those questions like, "Do you, do you feel bad not having other kids? What are you going to do with your time?" He was worried about you. what I was going to do because yeah. you know, to me, I'm mom, and that that was my job was to take care of him. <laughs> So he was, he was worried about what I was going to do. So I said, I'm going to be making bundles. And so we had told him we were going to start a foundation um, to get back. But I mean, for him to be concerned about me, you know, and what I was going to do, because he, he knew um, that that was my job was to take care of him. So that's, that's why it makes it heartbreaking is because, you know, we want to fix everything and just take it away, you know, but. So before he passed, you gave away how many bundles? We were able to deliver 106 and to, pri si to primary children's. And since he passed? We just passed 5,000. You've now given over 5,000 Wyatt Comfort Bundles. Yep. So we we started a foundation called uh, Wyatt Comfort Bundles. And so it is it's an actual, it's a nonprofit. So um, we, we put these comfort bundles together. And yeah, so he was able to help put together and deliver a, 106 of these to primary children's and huntsmen before he passed away. But yeah, we just passed 5,000 bundles this, this weekend. But um, yeah, the first year we handed out between eight and 900. The second year we handed out 1,776. And in 2022, we, we handed out 1,950. So, but that means that there's that many other, many other mm, kids well. going through similar th similar things with cancer, amazing? you know. How but, can listeners get involved in that, Emily? Um, so if they if they're interested, we we're on Facebook. Um, they can follow us on Facebook. We we have a, a feed that's um strictly for the, the for the comfort for the comfort bundles. We have a, a Venmo account. If people are interested in donating, people if they they can reach out to me, call me, text me, email me. We're always looking for people to sew pillowcases or tie blankets or. It's, it definitely takes an army. We can't. Mm -hmm. We definitely can't do it ourselves. But um, they can reach out to me any any time okay. to help with that. But yeah, we we it's overtaken our basement, which is fantastic. I mean, that was our goal was just to try to help out. And we have a lot of his friends coming to help us this week because they've reached out and asked if they could put stuff together. So, well, we, it's it's his legacy. Yeah. So you you have one child. <laughs> no matter how many you wanted or didn't want, you had one child. Think how many children have been blessed because of that one child. Yep. yep. And parents. And parents. Think of how many parents have also been blessed because when you comfort when you comfort my child, you comfort me. Right. Yeah. And that that was his goal was to bring comfort and a distraction to kids going yeah. through similar things as him, and it. So that's that's been our goal is just to somehow it's just a little little something we can do just to give yeah. back it's to others going through a similar thing as we did and it's it, it's it's, it's a full time job for Emily yeah just just tracking all the volunteers and and but a labor of love a labor of love it it keeps it keeps his memory alive yeah, for absolutely us. absolutely and, and we, as as old as I am and how fast those memories have faded this this helps. How sweet. Well, let's talk about kind of the sacred in all of this. What's some of the more sacred experiences you've had as a result of this trial in your life? You know, it it, it makes you question everything. Um, going through something like that. Mm -hmm. Still still going through. Something. Sure. Um, 
it makes you question your faith. It makes you question your relationship with your spouse. It makes you question life in general. Um, but for, for us, for me, um, you know, tragedy is nothing new to the Page family. I lost a six-year-old sister in a tragic rock slide accident up American Fort Canyon when I was young. Mm. Um, I would have been eight. Um, so early on, I guess my, my faith, my belief in the next life and that families can be together forever um, started at a young age for me. Um, there at the last bit of December, we were still trying to formulate uh, the foundation and what we wanted to do. And I, in a moment of stupidity, got upset. And it, as it turns out, that was one of Wyatt's last hmm. uh, mobile days, you know, for him to be able to get around. Um, and the, the guilt of that was just overpowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to redo, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then his health turned and I really didn't get a chance to, to, to try and fix that mm-hmm. as his dad. But as, as time went on, um, after he passed, you know, that guilt was just eating at me. And, and again, I needed, I needed some help there. And through an experience, um, with Wyatt, um, in a dream, things are okay. Hmm. And I know things are going to be okay. Um, in the long run, there are still days that are hard. Um, there's days that you just, you, you, you don't, I guess, I guess it's weird to say we don't miss him missing out on the craziness of the world right now. Sure. We miss out or feel the, you know, we're missing experiences mm-hmm. that we get to have with him mm-hmm. right, right now today. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what's hard. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I struggle with every day. Yeah, it's yeah. weird to think that we'd have a 15-year-old and learning to drive and, you know, yeah. looking for, you know, being a, a sophomore would be right. a price, you know, that. There's mission, certain, yeah, mission I mean, marriage, all those experiences you mm-hmm. hoped for him. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you have that goal as parents is watching them grow up and get married and grandkids and, you know, I mean, the potential is still, it, it'll be there later, but it's just. It, it's the brutal hard remi- reminders that we get every day of, oh, well, the kids are starting school. I'm like, oh, he'd be a sophomore. Oh, they just advanced all the kids up in priesthood. And I'm like, it's a little jab of the heart almost every single time. He's like, oh, dang, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, we were glad he's not dealing with the crazy, crazy wickedness of the world right now. But, you know, it's just that longing to be with him because, you know, they're... In a sense, you know, I, I yes, I have the foundation, but there's still the the sense of feeling hollow, empty, and alone. You know, mm-hmm. there there's still days where it's like it's just because we miss him. You know what I mean? Just the presence of him not being here is. I think that's the the most brutal part. Is I'm like, okay, I don't know if I necessarily want to make it to ninety. You know, um, mm. because it's just that the absence of him is what makes. Things definitely difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. So. But the hope because of the resurrection and the atonement of Jesus right. Christ, right? What does that mean to you? Well, I mean, we look we look forward to the day of be, being with him to get to, to, together again as an eternal family. I'm like, and I'm grateful that we do have that knowledge that we'll be together forever. You know, to have the opportunities to still continue um, fa- uh, family together. It's it's that very principle of the gospel um, that gives us the hope, that gives us the long look mm. um, to keep going. That faith that we have in 
what we're taught and what we believe and have faith in lifts the burden a little bit. It gives us that long perspective. We've talked a lot uh, on our podcast about how the Holy Ghost administers the atonement of Jesus Christ in our lives and the role of the Comforter in all of this and the power and gift of the Holy Ghost. Do you feel the, the Spirit and Comforter in your life and administering the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ in your life? Um, we definitely were buoyed up. We, I, there's, I don't think there's any other way we could have no. made it through that without having the love and support and prayers of others. And like I said, getting priesthood blessings definitely helped. helped. Um, and throughout most of the journey, we felt peace and comfort bad peace and comfort throughout the whole journey. And I'm mean, like, even the last couple of weeks of wise life, we would have friends come and say their goodbyes and everything. And people would tell us that our home felt like a temple, you know, mm. or oddly enough, we felt peace and comfort throughout the entire process. And it's, it's still there, but there are still moments that, you know, it's, it eats at you. It's still painful. Mm. Yeah. Sure. And, and it probably sure. always will be. It's not as painful. Because of the the gifts um, of the of the Holy Ghost through through the atonement that that pain is eased, mm-hmm. um, but we have to ask. Well, I I as your neighbor, as your friend, as your Doug and I now minister together, and Doug has ministered to me and my family and. And Emily's always uh, br- bringing over her baking goods, and and we're, we just we love the Page family so much, and and you've always been wonderful. But as an outsider, as an observer from the outside, you know the scripture that talks about this because of the Savior's atonement, because of His suffering that all of our afflictions shall be consecrated for our gain and all of our trials will be as uh, doctrine and covenants section uh, 90 i think about you guys i thought about the scripture this morning uh, doctrine and covenants section 98 with all of the trials and the suffering uh, saints went through at jackson county and the lord in this revelation to the prophet joseph smith says uh, therefore he, the Lord, giveth this promise unto you with an immutable covenant. This is 98 verse 3. With, with an immutable covenant that they shall be fulfilled, and all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good, and to my name's glory, saith the Lord. Okay, just think about this for a minute. How has this affliction worked together for your good and to his glory? Just as an outsider, Doug and Emily, you know, as much as hard as it is and the pain and sorrow that you feel and will continue to feel, your lives have become more holy, more consecrated, more focused in the purpose and work of the Lord in his redemption and because of Wyatt in his affliction in his suffering his death think about the good that has like a wave washed over so many more people fulfilling the glory of the Lord really that's that's what this means that and to my name's glory that's that's what your comfort bundles are doing mm-hmm. are Blessing other people because of the suffering of this one child, how many more children are being comforted and blessed, how it has blessed your lives and thousands and thousands more now. D- do you see that? It's it's hard to see that perspective. Is that easier for me to see from outside it than it is for it is. you to see that? It It is because we... We're in the middle of the weeds and we can't see through it, right? And and for someone to look from the outside in, it it helps us kind of get out of the weeds a little bit, mm. and and have a slightly different perspective. 
it's it's hard for us to imagine the number of bundles put together or the number of children and parents that those have touched. We, yeah. I, I can't grasp that. I, no, none of us can. And I just think with it, with his life in general, I'm like, just him being him. And himself. right, people, people. I, it was an hour and a half wait at his viewing, and people would come that we have never met, and they just had heard his story and thought that they needed to come. You know, it's just his life affected thousands, and I, I think that's the hard thing to fathom. It's just he touched thousands of people just by being himself, and with the fact that we we shared his his story and his journey along the way but th- thank heavens for the atonement and the savior and having the holy ghost and faith would... in christ and the holy ghost and right. ordinances that seal you together forever all of that right em right i because i don't think i could only imagine how much more difficult it will be without that yeah and you and you know why it was prepared for this yeah. you you said that today and that that preparation probably goes all the way back to his pre-mortal existence and i'm sorry that I wasn't the patriarch when he got his patriarchal blessing, but I talked to the patriarch of our stake when I was in the stake presidency about that experience and what an unbelievable experience that was for him to pronounce a patriarchal blessing upon Wyatt. So you know that the hand of the Lord, as awful as it is, has been involved in this whole process. And that was a very special experience. Yeah, I know it was. Well, thank God for Wyatt, and thank God for the Page family, Doug and Emily, and thank Heavenly Father for the plan of of redemption and Jesus Christ that makes it all possible and the the Holy Ghost that administers the blessings of mercy and grace and comfort and the atonement in our life and, and thankful, last of all, for the restoration of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ that answers so many difficult questions and gives us peace and hope in our in our faith that we know that uh, families can be together forever that life is eternal that it didn't start when we were born and it certainly doesn't end when we die and it goes on and on and on and uh, I'm grateful for all of that. And thank you, Doug and Emily, so much for being with us today. I'm just going to ask you one more question. You know, in the um, in this podcast and through the Atonement of Jesus Christ, we're really afforded three grand, wondrous blessings. We, we're, we're afforded the, the redemptive blessings that come th- through the Atonement of Jesus Christ. We're afforded the um, enabling. enabling blessings Powers. that come through the power of or through the atonement of jesus christ his power well you know which has given you power strength, to go through what you strength to get through and then he gives us uh, compensatory blessings through the atonement of jesus christ where he makes up for or he closes the gap or he heals us in ways that maybe we have never fought, felt before that we could have been healed and i just want to reference one scripture this is in alma chapter 7 verse 11 and then after I read this, if I could have you both each, if I, if I could have you each just respond to this in closing about your feelings and your, your, your thoughts from your heart around, you know, what this, what I'm about to read to you, what does that mean to you today? And how have you seen that alive in your life in the past as you've gone through this and still maybe even today? So this is uh, in Alma chapter seven, verse 11, and, and it's describing what Jesus would go through would go through. This was prior to him going through it, right? And so this was looking forward with an eye of faith. We look back with an eye of faith. But here we read, um, and he shall go forth, suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this, that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, he will take upon him the pains and the sickness of his people. And he will take upon him death that he may loose the bands of death, which bind his people, and he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Have you had those blessings in part? Have uh, Where have you seen the, the, that Christ has succored for you, blessed you, comforted run, you. Run to your aid. 
taken you in his arms as he has given you comfort through your infirmities, through Wyatt's infirmities, and through, you know, this just hasn't affected you. These things don't happen just in a bubble. And I know, because I know you two, you know, also we can read in this same same um, book, the book of Alma, where, you know, it talks about, have you received his image in your countenance? I see you too, and I see Christ's image in your countenance. Because of, I think, in part, some of the experiences that you have been blessed to go through as a part of this. So talk to us for just a second, uh, maybe by way of testimony, maybe by way of experience, whatever comes to your heart and mind. How would you describe how Christ has succored you in your infirmities through the enabling and through the compensatory powers of the atonement of Jesus Christ? You know, even even three years later, I still have moments of being upset. And the world, as loud as it is, crowds out that calm, peaceful feeling that we know it's all going to be okay in the end. We just can't see through the the weeds to to see the open field. Yeah, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't change the journey for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it did bring us together closer as a family, and I think it helped us draw together and to rely to right. rely on each other. Yeah. To rely on the Lord to, you know, help increase our faith, you know, and to put our faith in the Lord. I mean, it, it is hard to be like, okay, you know, if it's his time to go, it is his time to go. It's hard. It's hard. Because you, you don't want to be selfish in a way and say, well, no, he has to stay here. We've seen the other side of things where you could go in another direction and people have gotten right. divorced. and yeah gotten bitter and angry and it, it doesn't do I, that doesn't do you any good so you're you're saying the the atonement of jesus christ has held you together as individuals and has held you together as a couple oh, and absolutely. has held you together as a family absolutely and, and, that, and that's your hope yeah and and we fight for that every day every day every and day. it is a daily effort isn't it yep. yeah because we could yeah. we have seen the other side of things but i think that's what helps keep us together because we have seen yeah how destructive it could be or lead you down a, di- a different path that doesn't do you any, do you yeah. any good. It doesn't, we've seen the bitterness and angry and angry, angry. And we totally things. get it because it's right there. All the time. All the it? time. Yeah. Just on the surface, just yep. below the surface. Just below the surface. Just ready to So be. in a way you have to fight for it every day, every, every day. I mean. Right. We've had witnesses enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the dream and the experiences and the witnesses that you've had, you know, didn't come from yourself you didn't generate those Uh, those came from an outside source through the holy ghost from a loving heavenly father bearing witness that these things are true that it's it becomes not a wish it becomes an assurance i mean hope the word hope in the scriptures means not i wish hope means i know i have an assurance it's it's true, Dave. It's all true. And it will all be okay in the end. Right. It's just keeping that long perspective. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and the spirit and, with us. And the spirit with us and and using our brother's sacrifice yeah. to well, help us get there. When you talked about a daily that's what it is. That's the daily. That's the constant effort that's required on our part to maintain that conscious contact that we talk about, you know, that I, I have an affinity to because of my background in recovery, but that's, you know, one of the steps is to maintain that conscious contact as you have done that. And as you have just described what you do, you know, Doug or Emily, you say, I rely on prayer. I rely on service. I rely priesthood on blessings. priesthood blessings. I rely on the things temple. that have been given to me. And then, Doug, you say, I go to the temple. Well, the temple is the crowning symbol of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here on the earth. So, Doug, what you're really saying is, I go to Jesus. I go to Jesus Christ. While I'm there, I partake of the, the spirit that's given to me so freely because of my alignment, because I have turned my will to him rather than take it and be angry and pound the table and everything else. I, I go there. I feel his love 
because of his love, I know that families can be together forever. That's the message. And, and if any of us can get that from any experience in our life, then that experience, would you agree, is worth having. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, Dave, I think that uh, Thank you. that concludes Thanks, us Thanks, for Dave. today. Uh, Doug and Emily, uh, you know our, of our love for you, uh, but you are about to be loved by people in over 40 countries after this is released and your your the 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 um effect of Wyatt's life has just now gone global and, and i want you to know that uh, you know heavenly father when we allow him to will take our infirmities as it's promised to us in ether 1227 and he will let those things become strong he'll let them become our strengths if we turn to him as you are doing now i love you i hope you know that and all to my names or jesus christ's names glory all to the glory of all to the glory of jesus christ of god and jesus christ and thank you so much for being witnesses of that thank you for letting us be here and, and share of our our journey our ongoing journey yeah. and, and absolutely uh, and our son Yes, yeah. thank you. We've been blessed to have you here with us today. Thanks for being with us. And, and to our listeners, thanks to you all for being here with us as well. Again, don't hesitate to reach out to assist in any way that you may feel inclined to do so. Um, you, If, if you're uh, and I, unable or forget uh, how to reach out to Doug and Emily, just hit us up here at heredeemsus at gmail.com. I will forward that on to uh, our good friends here, Doug and Emily, to uh, forward the cause and to help Wyatt. And uh, this uh, blessing that uh, used to be known as a tragedy um, blessed the lives of others throughout the world. We love you. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.